0: I, I I believe it to be true that the people of Branches are welcoming people. So if you have not been greeted, on any level, come tell on them and talk to me, and we will crack the whip for next week, okay? But I, I don't believe that, that that anybody would tell me that. I think we're sometimes at a fault of maybe a little bit too friendly. It gets creepy sometimes. <laughs> we should just move on. I'm stalling because of the topic today. Um, so Russia, In we're a month away. A month from yesterday, the team leaves to go to Russia. And so we. Um, if you don't know this, we have a team of eight. There's uh, three of us from branches, one from Syracuse Vineyard, and then four people from uh, three different states. And so it's a team of eight. We're going to Russia to be with the vineyard churches in Russia. We're specifically going to uh, for youth to do youth stuff and to... Um, Engage with the youth of the vineyard churches in Russia. And part of that is a rafting trip. And so we need rafting equipment. Um, but the, the extension of the rafting equipment is that that equipment will then be, um, for the Russia churches in, in Siberia. They'll be able to use that equipment continuing for ministry purposes and also for business purposes. They could use it and rent it out. So we have committed to try and raising the money for the equipment. It's $5,000. And, um, not just branches, but, um, all the All the churches in the u s that are in partnership with the russia vineyard churches we 're on board we 've raised um, we 're close to half so we 're still a couple couple grand away and so what we 're doing is we have the envelopes on the back window as you walk out there 's a window with a bunch of envelopes. This is the last week that we 're doing that next week, those envelopes will be gone next week if you 've taken an envelope, we ask that you return your envelope, and what the envelope is is the envelope has a number on it that number Indicates the amount you're committing to support in this uh, in this area. So, if you pick a, a hundred, which I think the hundred's gone, but if you pick a hundred and five, that means you're saying uh, we're going to support one hundred and five dollars for for the Russia trip and for future Russia uh, ministry and the churches in Russia. So that's what that is. So um, maybe you can grab an envelope and then you can, if you have the ability to fill it out and turn it in today, you can hand it back um, or bring it next week. But next week's we're done. So. So yeah, so uh, that's kind of the only announcement I think I have that I'm responsible for this morning. Um, so we're going to continue with uh, talking about kingdom kingdom principles. And, you know, we've talked about three or four kingdom principles already. And, and one thing that I recognize is the principles of the kingdom of God sometimes are contrary with the principles of this world. And sometimes they don't make sense to us. So So a principle of the kingdom of God says if you want to live... You must die. That doesn't make sense, does it? But it's a, it's a principle within God's kingdom. If you want to lead, you must serve. If you want to be first, what does it say? To be last. If you want to receive, must give. Yeah. And our mind is 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 programmed or taught here to, to, to think logically in a way that says that does not make sense. And and within the kingdom and structure of our culture in this world, those statements just don't make sense. But they're they're kingdom statements. They're they're principles that Jesus taught in the Bible. And so we have to make an adjustment. We have to make a decision to say, I'm going to live by the principles of the kingdom of God. I'm going to kind of renounce the principles of the kingdom of this world in order to be fruitful in the kingdom of God and to to help see people come into the kingdom of God, I'm going to live in these ways. And we have to renew our mind. And so we've been asking this question every week because it it, it takes us to make an adjustment in who we are and to make a commitment. And it's the big question we've been asking, and it's what kind of Christ follower do I want to be? And that's kind of step one. If if you're going to live within the kingdom of God, if you're going to serve within the kingdom of God, if you're going to give within the kingdom of God, You have to choose to say, I'm going I'm going to be the kind of Christ follower, that my life is committed to Jesus. And that first and foremost, my love goes towards the Lord. And I live my life to love God. And I live my life to love others. And so there's some self-denial that has to happen there. And there's a commitment that has to happen. It's it's not forced upon us. We have to choose to say, Jesus is my all in all. I'm going to be a kind of Christ follower that, that makes headway in, in the kingdom of this world. So that's what we've been challenging. Are you, are you making that commitment? We'll ask it again towards the end of our time. But this morning, the kingdom principle we're going to talk about is the principle of generous giving. How many of you got nervous all of a sudden? It's our, it's our, we have like two or three families that are brand new here. It's like we do this once every other year. I I of remember the last time we did this, and just, yeah, every, every week I've got to give you money. <laughs> so we're going to talk about just what it means to live within the kingdom of God and to be a generous giver. What What does that mean for us as as followers of of Jesus? And and I know that most of you have heard messages on giving. You've heard how much should you be giving? Why you should be giving? Where you should be giving it to? Have you heard these messages? And sometimes the the pastor is extremely clever at how he delivers that message. And it, it, um, bottom line, I'm not that clever. So I'm not going there this morning, okay? I mean, I've heard messages that I'm, like, pick, pulling out my checkbook immediately because it's like, wow, okay. But I'm, I'm just not clever, and I don't believe that that's my place this morning. Um, but here, here's my my experience in messages of given. I've, I've actually... Um, I've heard three types of messages of giving. And the one that I land on is the message of being a generous giver. And, and so every week, you know, we, we just had our offering. It says tithes and offering. And on the bottom, it says God loves a cheerful giver. And we get that verse. We used to have the whole verse up there. But it's 2 Corinthians 9, 7. It says this. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. So there's a decision that gets made. Not to give re- reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And that's, that's kind of where I'm landing today with with branches is what kind of givers do we need to be? We need to be generous givers. We need to be cheerful givers. But I just kind of want to talk about the three types of, of giving that I've I've been taught. And these are my personal experiences. They're my opinions. I understand that in this room we have the freedom to have a lot of different opinions. And so it's it's where I sit. It may be right, it may be wrong, it's just how I land on stuff. But it, I think it, for me to give these three types of experiences, you'll be able to maybe land with me on being a generous giver. And I think they're up there. Are they up there? Go to the next slide, Zach. Um, I think we're having slide issues today. But The, the three types, first is, is a tithing type of giving, to give, to give a tithe. I, I was in a church where it was a prosperity type of giving. We'll talk about that, and then and then generous giving. And so the tithing is this because I know maybe this is new new language for some people. Tithing means tenth. And so in the Old Testament we talked about giving a tithe. The Bible talks about giving the tithe and you could go back into Genesis 14 where Abram, you know, goes and rescues Lot and brings him back and what's the name of that king? The yeah, I can't say that word. There was a king with a long name and and Abram tithed gave a tenth of what he brought back. And tithe. That's kind of the first example we find in the Bible. But really, tithing became part of the Mosaic law, the law of Moses. And, and in the Old Testament, we, we see that it became a, a duty, a responsibility of the people of God. And, and in Deuteronomy, it's a verse that is, you know, there's other verses, but it just says to set aside a tithe of your crops, one tenth of all the crops you harvest each year. Bring this tithe to the designated place of worship, the place the Lord your God chose for his name and honor. And is honored, and so for for me, I grew up from a kid until I was probably in my you know mid twenties under the teaching of tithing. But the problem I found with tithing for myself, and again, I'm I'm pointing at myself in all this, is that I I can it can become kind of legalistic for me that I can I can get locked down on this ten percent number and this have to this duty this responsibility. And, and then there could be a fear that could creep in if I don't. Has anybody ever felt that with tithing? That if I don't give my tithe, I'm in trouble. God's going to curse me. I have to give my tithe. And if I don't, bad things are going to happen to me financially and in my life. I, I, I've, I've, I've allowed myself to believe that about myself. And so that, that becomes harsh for me as a person that wants to give for God's kingdom, to live under this pressure of, of maybe a legalistic responsibility to have to give a 10%. Here's the other thing I realized about giving a tithe is that it was the minimal requirement that the people of God were supposed to give. And so if I'm a tither, I'm covering the minimum, just doing the basics, just getting by. And then again, that attitude of at least I, at least I got myself covered. And then how many of you ever heard the do you tithe off your gross or do you tithe off your net? <laughs> you know what that question is? That question is how little do I really have to give to be in good shape with God? That's the way I see it. You know, Pastor, tell me how how can, can I get away with just, you know, what is it? The net, right? That's what you bring home. Okay. How little can I get away? Do I can I just and you know, I read something this week's like, does uh does the Government, get your money before God does. <laughs> so so that's, that's, that's where I've landed with tithing. And then the big point is this, is that I miss the true heart of why God is asking us to give. I miss it because I'm caught up in this, in this legalistic need to give to be covered, to give to protect myself against a curse. That's not there. Um, and I miss the heart of what, why we as Christ followers are to be giving anyways. So that's the first, first level of giving that, that I'm at. Now, I'm going to back up and just say, if you're a tither here, we, we use the word tithing. We're not, we're not like cutting it out. We, if you're a tither and you're committed to that and that's, that's your conviction, you need to run with that. My hope is that you'll shift if you're, if you're in the place I am with tithing where it's a responsibility, a duty, a legalism, shift to the point of saying, I'm tithing because it's my heart for God and for his kingdom. So, so, so don't. I'm not asking you to, to denounce that. I'm asking you to, if you have a legalistic idea on that, that this morning maybe you'll see there'll be a shift with that, okay? Second, the prosperity giving. Joe and I met in a church that was a prosperity giving church. It wasn't, it wasn't as blatant and bold as what you see on TV, but there was times where it was. But their underlying message was give and God's gonna give back to you. And it wasn't God's gonna give back to you peace, God's gonna give back to you blessing, God's gonna give back to you whatever. It was God's gonna give back to you money. And so we, uh, we went to a church like that for several years. And we used to quote this thing. The pastor would have us stand up and we had, quote, you know, we had claimed this thing that would say, you know, it would say, like, I'm claiming that there will be unknown inheritances coming my way. I'm claiming there'll be checks in the mail. I'm claiming there'll be, you know, raises and promotions. And, and we would do this as a statement of faith and belief. And so I recognize that the danger for me is that God becomes a financial investment for me that I need ten thousand dollars, so I'm gonna give a thousand because my pastor's telling me that it's gonna come back to me tenfold. So for me it was dangerous. Joe and I now when we get a random check in the mail, we checks in the mail! I got one for four dollars and twelve cents the other day. <laughs> we <laughs> I didn't even go to the bank. I just did the like online deposit picture thing because but it was, it was like a random check in the mail, $4.12. The big ones don't come my way. Did you tithe 42 cents? <laughs> so, okay, let's just get legalistic about this, Jack, Pastor Jack. That was money that it was refunded to me for an overpayment. Do I have to tithe on that? <laughs> no, it was my return. Let's get. I mean, so, but you understand the 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 mess we get in when we get into this, right? I'm glad you guys are enjoying and having fun with me on this because I didn't know how tight we'd be in this situation today. I told my, you know, last week we announced like, hey, t- next week we're talking about money. My dad, my dad said to me, "Boy, that was a bold statement to let people know you're talking about money next week." But yeah, so, so the point, the danger that I found with myself and with other people with, with the prosperity message is that, is that when I give my time to God, when I give my talents to God, when I give my money to God, it's an act of worship. But when I'm expecting something back, I'm stripping myself of that, that freedom to worship God because he's God. The pastor at the church we went to, they always, he always quoted this verse in Malachi. It says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Have you guys heard this verse? So there will be enough food in my temple. I love that. If you do this, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. And the last part of that, I will pour out the windows of heaven. Where's the emphasis in that? Give, give, give. Because you're going to get back tenfold. To me, it seemed like a little bit of a warped message. To me, it seemed like I'm, getting, I'm giving to get, get. I'm giving to get. I'm giving to get. And it, it, it stripped me of God's heart for why we give for his kingdom. So, the third way is the generous giving. And this is the way I personally has have landed on that God says in this verse that we read in 2 Corinthians, that I have to determine in my heart what to give. I make the commitment between me and him, my wife, us, and and God. And then we're faithful to doing that. I think that's that's where God's asking his church to land today. Here here's the truth in all types of giving that I'm just going to expose that, like the secret code of pastors that we're taught not to never expose. We need your money. Churches need your money. God uses his people to finance his work. Every church in this city will not sustain if the people who come to that church do not faithfully give to their church. It's a fact. We don't have the ability to do other things that we can't sell stuff. We don't want to sell stuff. So the church, the, the local church needs the generous giving of the people that call that church their home to be faithful. Branches needs, those of you that say branches is your home, to be faithful in giving. But I don't want to stand here and encourage you to do that. I don't want to be clever and draw up some energy in you so that you go do that. I want to challenge you to Take it in. we look in your heart, and where you sit with God, with your money, between your spouse and you, or, or whatever your home situation is, you make a commitment and say, we're going to give back this amount, and then I trust that you'll be faithful to do it. And I feel like my job is to encourage you in that, to say, I think this is God's heart. I think this is what the Bible says about giving. Will you take a look at it with me, and will you evaluate where you sit with that? And so the main message this morning is this, that generous giving is a heart condition. I believe it. I believe it's a heart condition. I I had a guy once tell me, if you really want to know the true character of a person, get money involved in the situation with them. This guy showed me his true character. (laughs) But, But here's what he meant. He meant that, you know, you and I could hang out and we could talk about serving and everything's cool. We could talk about, you know, worship and everything's cool. But the minute we mix money into the equation, your heart will come out. Your character will come out. I've seen it, I've seen it dis- on display in beautiful ways. Where people, I mean, are, we sit in this building because people who have finances, money, said, we want to see branches go. Here's the money to buy the building. I mean, these were people that their heart is connected to God and seeing his kingdom. And they, they, they entered into a place of, of furthering God's kingdom here in Warsaw with their finances. But I've also seen where people are willing to stab you in the back and take advantage of you Christians for the dollar. I've seen it. It's sad. It's terrible. Here's Let me explain it. Who has a dollar in here? You don't have to pull it out. Just tell me, do you have a dollar? Mike? Can I have that dollar? Sure. sure. You can, I can have the dollar who has a hundred dollars in here. Nobody, Jack has a hundred bucks. Can I have it? You, kn- you knew you were supposed to say sure. <laughs> Jack's on a spiritual level greater than the rest of us, but let me explain what the rest of us would do if, if, if you were asked for a hundred bucks. In a split second, you quickly evaluate whether that person's worth it or not. You quickly say, I need that money. That money's mine. Would you be honest and say that that's what we do? That, that, it's in a snap instant. You know, a dollar, yeah, I could throw a dollar around. That's, that's, but when we get up to some big money and say, hey, you know, we quickly, eva- our heart gets evaluated on, do I, is this person worth it? Is this situation worth it? That money is mine. I earned that money. This person didn't earn that money. Do you, do you get that? And um, there's the exposure of our heart. Okay. So, I need to find my place. As I've talked with people about money, and when it comes to money within giving to God, I find that people are hurt over money. That maybe they've seen money been being misused or even abused. They've been promised something, and the person took advantage of them. And so people are a little bit like, hey, you know, let's not talk about money. If we talk, I've seen people be deceived Overgiving. That's maybe in the prosperity circle I was in. There was some. I felt like there was some deception being played out. Or maybe I'm just confused, or I don't understand where, why God, why, why we do this money thing. Why do we pass that weird bucket? Maybe some people, your your heart's hardened over giving. And you just said, I'm done with it. I'm not giving. Or you fall back into, I'm going to give the bare minimum, and that's it. Because I'm, I'm just, I'm done with it. But if I'm going to be a kingdom principle follower of a generous giving giver, here's what it involves me to understand. It involves me to understand that I play a part in the kingdom of God. I have to understand that the 70 plus, hopefully plus years that I live on this earth, are just such a tiny fraction of eternity. And I need to look past my life on this earth into eternity and live eternal-minded. And I need to know that, that when I give money to a church, hopefully I trust my church, that when I give money into God's kingdom, that it's going to bring more people into his kingdom. It's going to support his ministries. I, I need to make this understanding in my mind. I need to understand that I play a major part in that. I need to understand that God is first the provider of everything I have anyways. The, the abilities and the talents I have to earn the money, guess where that came from also? That's God as well. Here's where I get to pick on a couple of people. If you're a contractor, Rick, God's given you the ability to swing that hammer and to make those measurements on those crazy compound miter cuts that you do. If you're an accountant, Jeff, I warned Jeff about this, God's given you the ability to be a nerd, man. Long live nerds. Long live nerds. We need bean counters in this world, Jeff. It's okay that you're a nerd, all right? Jeff's been lifting weights, so you've got to be careful because he's... He's killing it, so you can't call him a nerd too long. But you understand everything comes from God anyway. Here's the other thing I need to understand if I'm going to be a generous giver in God's kingdom while in this world. I need to understand that there's a tension being played out between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world. And that when I give, the kingdom of this world still wants to come and kick my feet out from underneath me. And so just because I give, and I can read that God's got my back, that that he's protecting me in my finances, it doesn't mean that I'm not going to lose my job tomorrow. It doesn't mean that my car is not going to have a flat tire, or the transmission is going to blow up, and I'm going to have to figure out where to spend that money. It doesn't give you a carte blanche, financial protection for the rest of your world because we live in a messed up world where there's a kingdom of the darkness that wants to come and do battle against the kingdom of God. And so I have to understand that it's not an equation of I give and everything's perfect because if we're honest with ourselves, a lot of times it's not perfect. But here's the greatest blessing I think when I, my heart and my finances are tied with God is that regardless of what takes place, there's peace in my life in relation to my finances. So I wanted to have Dave come just share a testimony because he shared this with me. We had this like financial forum this past week, and he shared this, and I thought it just it's a good point of how God brings peace
1: in these situations. So I, I've been a, a Christian for for a long time, and uh, my wife and I've been married for forty years. And first part of our marriage, probably first uh, ten fifteen years of our marriage, we would find ourselves. Just uh, arguing about money all the time. And uh, that was probably 90% of the situation that went on whenever we had conflicts. And um, uh, our thought on giving was, well, we knew we needed to. But when we looked at what was coming in and what was going out, it was like uh, um, God got what was left. Um, And then there came a point in time. um, It was difficult time for us financially when I felt like God was saying how much do you trust me? Do you really trust me? You say you trust me with everything, but are you really trusting me for everything? When I I realized I wasn't. And uh, so we decided in our hearts that we were we were gonna give. And and we were gonna we were gonna give that whole bare minimum he talked about. And the amazing thing happened was we still had the same income, we still had the same outgo, and what we found was that we had much more peace. We, we stopped worrying. It was something we did not expect when we started to give. And since then, we've been doing that. And do we still have struggles? Do we still have things going on? And like he talked about, I'd, I'd gone through job changes. And, but every time I'd done that, God always provided for what we needed. And the biggest thing we got was we were not anxious about it. We were not upset that when we looked at where it's going to come from, because we knew God would take care of us. And that's what, that's what we have found is, is that there's a great amount of peace in doing what God asks us to do. He was asking us, be Lord of everything. Am I going to let him be the Lord of everything? And when we did that, amazing things happened. So it's it's just a matter of the, the peace that we got out of it. He has done some great things. It, it, I, could spend, I could spend hours telling you of, of the ways that he's provided. You're not going to right now. But I'm not okay. going to. <laughs> Thanks, Tom. Um, but anyway, anyway, that's that's what he has done for us and uh, countless others.
0: Thanks, Dave. A generous giver lives in a place where they love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And when my focus is on God and his kingdom, I am free to let my finances be used for his work. But when my focus is on myself and my kingdom, I become a slave to my money. I got five five attributes of a generous giver. We're going to go through those quick. Generous giver is a steward. The generous giver understands that God is entrusting them with all that they have and that he has given it to them. The generous giver gives sacrificially. I can give when it might hurt knowing that God's got my back. The generous giver is kingdom minded. I give with the intention to see God's kingdom come to lost people. Like last week, a generous giver is a servant. I have chosen to serve God and not my money. I find that an interesting statement. Jesus said in Matthew 6, he says, No one can serve two masters. You'll love one and hate the other, or hate one and love the other, and you will be devoted to one and despise the other. And then he names the two masters. You cannot serve both God and money. So we have to choose which one are we serving. And that's where a generous giver trusts God. I trust God and who he is greater than I trust myself and my abilities to control and provide. I think more than any single topic that Jesus talked about, he talked about money. I think half of his, half of his um, parables were about money. We probably all heard of the story of this rich young man. Do you guys know the story. He comes to Jesus. He says, "What do I need to do to have eternal life?" And Jesus says, "Well," and he, he starts listing some of the commandments. You got you know what you know what the commandments are. You know, honor your father and mother. Don't commit adultery. Don't don't lie. Don't cheat. Don't whatever. And the guy said, "Well, I've done it all." And Jesus said, oh, "Okay, great. There's one last thing." This guy was very wealthy. And Jesus said, go sell everything you have, give it to the poor. And in, in Luke, it's in, it's in a couple different Gospels, but in Luke, it says, the man heard this, he became very sad because he was very rich. Here's the, here's the, the thing we need to not be conf- confused about. Jesus was not challenging this man because he's very rich. Jesus was challenging him because his heart was for his money and not for God's kingdom. The amount of money in your bank account means nothing. It doesn't mean anything. It's, it's the heart of what, who are you serving? Who are you enslaved to? I think we fall into the same problem as this rich young man, regardless of our financial situation. We live in a world where we spend most of our week earning money. We spend the rest of our week spending the money, controlling the money. We live in a world where if I start talking to Tom about finances, we both get a little bit nervous because we don't want to tell each other how much is in our bank account. It's private, right, man? Yeah. I don't want to tell you how much I make. And you don't want to tell me how much you make. And I don't want to be a person that sizes you up because this is what we do. Because we, we, everything is based off of this dollar thing. And so we size each other up and we treat each other different and we we respond to each other based on a perceived income level. But we're supposed to be in a place where God has it all and my heart is for God and his kingdom and the money is just a tool that we have to live and to further his kingdom. We're just about done in case you're tired. Jesus gives the answer to breaking free from the slavery of money. He says, give it away. That's being a generous giver. And so here's where the challenge for us is, is that we have to have a heart check. We can hear all this, and we could do nothing about it, or we could have, do an internal evaluation and, just, and be honest with ourselves about how does, how does money have a grip on me, it does not have a grip on me, how do, how do I relate to money in my life, and how is it, in relation to my relationship with God. And you have to evaluate that. You have to sit down and be honest with yourself. And then you have to make a decision. If there's an adjustment that needs to be made, you have to make a decision of where your value is going to be placed. One final scripture that I really want to read. Matthew 6. Jesus said, Don't store up treasures here on earth where moth eat them and rust destroy them and where thieves break in and steal them. Store, up, store your treasure in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy. Thieves do not break in and steal. And he says, where your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be. So part of your heart check is to ask, am I kingdom-minded or am I me-minded? Am I God's? Is God's kingdom the most important thing in my life? Is my kingdom the most important thing in your life? And I think you'll find that there's a, a probably a, a pretty direct parallel of what you're focused on of where your finances and your treasures go and where your heart is placed. So this is the challenge for this week. So I'm just gonna ask, would you be willing to go home and, and evaluate where, you, where you're at with your finances? Go read that 2 Corinthians verse and say, I'm gonna determine into my heart how much, what it is, I'm gonna bring back to the Lord. I'm gonna be faithful to that. Here's some practical tips for doing that. The first is that you have to answer that first question of what kind of Christ follower do I want to be? Answer that. If you're just like, ah, he's my triple A Jesus. He's in my back pocket. And when time gets rough, I'll pull him out and call on him. Then there's not a whole lot you need to do this week. But if you're, if you're sitting here saying, I, I want to be a Christ follower that makes a difference in this world and sees lives change for God's kingdom, you have to make some commitments. Second, go in, is evaluate the condition of your heart towards giving. Make the adjustments. Third is to, to determine in your heart what is your, gonna be your regular giving. Not because there's a pump up here, not because there's there's um, clever speech, but because you've committed in your heart between you and God how you're gonna play a part in God's kingdom. And then the fourth is to look for opportunities to give. And And what I say by that is, is that there's many needs within this church, there's many needs outside this church, and there's areas that as followers of Jesus, we can give and it could become a testimony to people. How many of you um, have ever waited tables? My wife, when we met, she waited tables. The worst time to wait tables was Sunday afternoon because Christians sat all... We do this at El Kamal. We go and sit for an hour or two, take up a big old chunk of the restaurant... And then we leave. I hope we don't do this, but my wife's experience was they, they would leave, and everybody would get up and leave, and one person would throw two bucks on the table, and you just served 15 people for two hours, and you haven't had any other tables because your boss thought that that was all you can handle. You know, we can be, we can be generous givers in our tipping. The church gives me $20 a week for meals. (laughs) So what what happens is, you know, I, I, I meet, I try to meet with people for lunch and this and that. So the church gives me 20 bucks to meet with people. And, and I found the first few times I went out and used my budget. I'd turn my receipt in and John would come hammer me. I get to say this about John since he's not here. He'd come hammer me like, Tom, you're tipping too high. Like 15 bucks. You know, we'd go out and have a, a burger or something and the bill would be 15 bucks. And I would just round it up to 20. So I don't know what percentage that is, but that's, that's better than 20%, right? And he'd be like, because John's a business guy. Hey, in, in the business world, we, we tip 15%, that's it? And I was like, John, it's going to be okay, bro. We can, we can bless the waitress, you know? <laughs> and, and the thing I don't get in, in Indiana, because in California this isn't the case, you guys in Indiana that are wait, waiting tables only get paid like $2.17? Something like this an hour. How does restauranteurs get away with this? So your pay is based on people tipping. I think it's horrible, but it's the way it is. So we, as followers of Jesus, can give an extra two bucks. And what does it really cost us? But to the person that's been serving us while we shovel food into our mouth, it maybe means a lot to them. Did you get that picture, Marty? Shoveling food in our mouth, (laughs) because this is what we do. But there's opportunities right in front of us to be generous to people, to show people that God loves them, to to set a testimony. There's a a, a restaurant owner that we go to, and she told Mara that she likes me as a pastor because I tip well. You know what that tells me? There's some cheap pastors in this town, and they need to start tipping because... I don't think. Uh, uh, come on, man, this is terrible. I'm meeting with some of them this week. I'm going to have to mention this. <laughs> but we—it's just—it's just showing people that they're valuable, and we could do it with our money. There's areas. I mean, the Russia thing, Peter and Barbie, where Pete—you know—Peter and Barbie are sitting in Dominican Republic, living on shoestring, and he has to fly back to DC to have his, so he can walk, and he needs a thousand bucks. That should be a, a drop in the bucket for generous givers. So look for areas. Why don't you stand with me? That wasn't too rough, was it? It was more rough for me than it was you if you only knew. We don't ever want to leave a time of worship. I think the worship was, I, I almost thought, we could just go home after the worship. Because I thought, man, we just, we, we, there's just times where we engage with God. I feel like I engage with God where I'm like, I don't need a whole lot more. But we're a church, so we have to preach and take the offering. So. But what's most important is that we leave space to respond to what God's doing in our lives. And so because we live in the tension of a world that wants to cut our legs out from underneath us, we get beat up a little bit. And things happen, and life isn't all wonderful for many of us. Or all of us. And if we're honest, we need God to engage with us and we need to bring some stuff to God and say, God, I need you to, to break into my life and, and, and do some work. And so we provide this time at the end of, end of worship. We're going to worship one more song and then we're going to be dismissed. And what you'll see is that some people will filter up to this front row. If you want to be prayed for, if you need to talk to God and ask somebody to join with you on that, if you want some people to love on you, this space is for that. And so when the song ends, you'll be welcome to come on up. If you want to stay in the room at the end and just continue in, in a heart of worship, feel free. The space is yours. If, if, we're, if you're done and you're like, man, I'm ready to roll, we can, we can take our noise and everything out and, uh, and go have a great, a great Sunday. Go to lunch with some people. Find somebody to go to lunch with. Let me pray for us. Father, it's, it's awesome to me that your plan is for your people to do your work for your kingdom. That you've entrusted us. You haven't charged us in a way that's a task, but you've given us this, this freedom and this ability to carry out your work and, and bring your kingdom to a lost world. God, you've equipped us. You've given us the tools we need to, um, to do that work and so lord i I just pray that as as we look at these principles that we can each be committed to shoving them into our into our our tool belt so that we can we can do the jobs that you've allowed us to do and Father you've equipped us to be the have the ability to finance your work to see your kingdom come to grow grow churches to grow ministries to see people come into relationship with you so god. I just, I just pray, Lord, that my heart was heard this morning. That it's a heart thing. That it's a commitment, a personal commitment. And that you've got this. So, Lord, would, would that be the message that is being just planted in each heart right now? And, God, would you just bring... Um, just give people the ability right now to, to be honest with themselves... To make the adjustments, and God ultimately to be able to say, I, I need to lean into into you. I need to love you first with everything that I am. And God, we just we 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 are committed that anything that takes place out of all this is to bring you glory, and then we'll turn it back to you. And we love you in Jesus' name. Amen.